what you meant to say is this podcast is going to be like a 21st century Laverne and Shirley. My goal before we're done today is to tell you one thing that you don't already flipping know about this book. You want me to spit coffee out my nose because that almost just happened. So Amanda, Olivia, usually we would have a third guest. This is the first podcast, so there's no usually. It's just us. It's just we're flying. We're flying duo. And you almost this, said solo, I which would be solo. like solo together, two planes in the sky. Both of us, the pilots of this adventure. <laughs> I like where you're going with this. <laughs> right. That's exactly what I was. What you meant to say is this podcast is going to be like a 21st century Laverne and Shirley. Friendship story. Oh, we should over do books. And Shirley. We Let's should talk about that in the future. But we're not going to do that. Not today. Today, today? okay. No. So usually we would. I mean, our dream is to have our third chair or a guest or whatever mm-hmm. pick the book that we revisit. Mm-hmm. But we don't have that. So I very graciously, if I do say so myself, allowed you to pick the book. Mm-hmm. And very graciously, very- I appreciated that. <laughs> It was really kind of me. And you chose Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. I did. Childhood classic. Why did you choose this book? I'll be honest. I'll be straight with you and say I haven't read it. I didn't read it as a child. What? I even texted my mom to make sure. What? Can you read her text? Yeah. Did she say, I'm sorry your childhood was lacking, Olivia. I did the best I could and tried to get you to read this, but you were an obstinate child. Is that what her text (laughs) message said? Do you know my mom? Are you texting my mom? (laughs) Your mom and I are tight. She said, no. I said, did we ever read Where the Wild Things Are as kids? And she said, no, I think it kind of freaked everyone out. Y'all were very discerning. (laughs) So That's 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 a nice compliment. You were, <laughs> I was a very discerning child. You were like, there's some problems with this book, which we can talk about today. Cause that's why we're here. I think it was more that I took one look at the monster on the cover and was like, nope. A little Olivia was like, I am already too anxious for that. <laughs> so I'm looking at the cover since our friends at home can't see us. I'm looking at the cover and it's, um, the sailboat that Max comes in on into the land of the wild things. And there's the one wild thing kind of in a Rodan pose where he's like the thinker. He's got his mm, face on his hand and his hand on his knee. And yeah, I why were you drawn to it? I don't know. Um, I spent a lot of time in the library as a kid and I don't remember picking this book up, but I remember reading it over and over again when I was probably first or second grade. I think because he is very naughty at the beginning. You know, it starts out where he tells his mom he's going to eat her up. He's chasing around in his wolf suit and he gets in trouble, gets sent to bed without dinner. And I grew up in the 80s, so that was like a very real punishment Mm -hmm. possibility before, (laughs) you know, everybody thought that parents were going to damage their children and we should take them away. And um, (laughs) so that was actually a real punishment in our house. If you were bad, you would go to bed without dinner. And so maybe I connected with that because I was a very Max-like child. I was pretty cheeky and naughty. And I think I really liked it because even though he goes on this adventure that feels very real, although as an adult, I kind of look at it and see the dream qualities of it. 
you know, when he wakes up the end, at the end, it looks like he wakes up at the end. It doesn't look like he was actually away. It looks like he was sleeping. Imagine the whole thing. But as a kid, it felt like a very real adventure. But I always liked that he came home and the mother had left the food for him to eat. Yeah, it was still so hot. he he came back from this adventure and his mother had forgiven him and left him dinner. So I think I like that redemptive quality that when you're a little kid, you need that um, confirmation, affirmation that your parents still love you, even when you're sure. awful. Just God bless parents everywhere for having that quality because kids can be a handful. And so it's nice that you have stories that still celebrate that love, even when kids are kind of rotten. So. I feel like I need that now, too. Right? I had a friend tell me once that she thought that <laughs> friends should go around and treat their friends like children. So just to be like, oh, she's just tired. And yeah. just like, she needs a nap. She hasn't 100%. eaten today. Like, I do want someone to just allow me to be the, the terror that I can be sometimes. Like, right? you, you, we all say things when we're hangry. That's a very real thing in our house. Right. It's a very real thing. We have a, an apology we say is, I'm sorry for the things I said when I was hangry. Now, let me ask you, with what you just said, do you feel like, why is this book still popular with adults? Why do we see adults dress up as these characters for Halloween without kids? What, you know, when this movie came out, you saw people going to see it. I saw as many adults without kids in the theater as I saw people with kids. Why do adults still love the story as adults? Do you think it's that quality that you need someone to, as an adult, just still see you as that child that's still lovable? Do you think it's because this taps into something about us being the wild things as adults? So that's a good question. I It reminded me a lot of Coraline. Did you mm -hmm. ever read that? I book? did not, but I saw the movie and it's terrifying. Yeah, so it is. I don't usually read scary things, mm -hmm. but I wanted to read that book a few years ago. And I was thinking after I read it why I didn't find it that scary. Like it, mm -hmm. the scary, the things that happened were really scary, but I felt some, like pretty comfortable throughout the whole book. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because Coraline is really chill about it. Like she's, she's not panicking. Yeah. So if she were panicking the whole time, it would be unreadable because it would right. just, you would just be so unsettled the whole, I mean, it would, yeah, it would like, give you like anxiety yeah. to watch the character going through that fear. But there's something really appealing about a character that just, like, there's that illustration where he first sees the wild things, and he's in the boat, and he sees them on the island, and it's like their terrible claws and their terrible teeth, and the words are, are like, describing these wild things as being mm -hmm. really scary. And he just has this, like, sort of disapproving frown, and mm -hmm. then he, that idea that you can kind of, like, tame them and befriend them. I yeah. also think that illustrations are just really... Unique. beautiful yeah it's so funny because the picture you're talking about when he comes up to the island he looks so over these monsters yeah. like he does not look scared at all he's just like it's like mcgonagall like he's yeah, just like, they're like disapproving yeah mm -hmm. and so you know the role reversal right is he gets sent to bed because he's being bad and then he goes to this island where he's essentially becomes the king of the wild thing this is what they call him in the book so he's essentially almost like this parent figure which I'm sure that's something kids love that hit the rules flip flop and he's in charge and he, you know, I'm sure every kid has thought when they were little, you know, when I'm in charge, we're going to do this. Right. And I know my niece had said to me once, well, when I'm a grown up, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, I know, right? Like, let's brush our teeth with Coca-Cola and let's do all this crazy stuff because uh -huh. you can. But then 
you know, he gets to the point in the book where it's they howl at the moon, they have the party, the wild rumpus all night. And then he gets to the part of the book where it's you kind of get over that too, right? And so it's like this interesting role reversal where then they start acting up and he kind of gets exhausted with it and sends them to bed without supper. So I think, you know, going back to your question earlier, it's like, why did I like this as a child? I'm sure I love that stuff, like that he's in charge. And being the youngest child of four kids, it's like, I always got to do everything last. Right. I never got enough attention, right? We could turn this into a whole therapy session. (laughs) So I think in this book, it was cool to me because he went from being in trouble to being like in charge of everybody. And I'm sure I love that as a kid, like, heck yes, you're gonna have a wild rumpus, you're gonna party. And then you're gonna silence them when you're ready for sleep. You're gonna shut everything down when you're ready to walk away. Yeah. It's like the epic party trick, right? He has this amazing party. He has this crazy wild rumpus. And then he walks away. He's like, I'm out. Yeah. Even though they're gonna miss him. The whole time I'm thinking about when I was a child in line at the grocery store and I would see the candy and I would be like, when I'm old enough, I'm just going to buy up all that candy. Mm -hmm. And now I don't even want to do that. It's really kind of like Mm -hmm. a... Sad. It's really sad. It's sad. It's first world sad. (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't say it's like tragic. (laughs) When you think about other things happening in the world right now. Right. Yeah, I guess it's not. But yes, I understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, we shouldn't dismiss... Those kind of feelings. No, you know? no, those feelings are okay. I'm not trying to minimize your emotions <laughs> over the checkout stuff. It is it is real. It's colorful there. Those M&Ms, I'm like, They're do real. I want those? Or do I want to feel sad later? It's like, do I want to feel sad or do I want to feel sick? Do I want to eat those Oreo cookies? Yes, but does my 40-year-old body want me to have heartburn <laughs> because of those Oreo cookies later? Apparently, no. Right. So, I'll, yeah, you got to fight those sad urges as an no, adult. You- mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you're being true to your current self. That's a good thing. You are. Like Max was. Very true. I have some factoids about the book. You want to hear them? I do. I do. Because I want to talk a little bit about some of the reasons that this book has been banned. Oh, if yeah. If that's okay with you. Well, okay. So, um, okay. So it was written in 1963. It won mm-hmm. a Caldecott Medal in 1964. Time Magazine named it the number one best I think it's best loved American children's book of all time in 2015. Mm -hmm. And then I have a library fact too, which is in 2020, New York Public Library released their top circulated books of all time in their 150 year history. So all Mm -hmm. of the books that have circulated and Where the Wild Things Are was number four on the list. Wow. What was number one? I knew you were going to ask that. I was wondering if you wanted to guess. Um... I'm going to guess it's To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird was on the list, but it was not number one. Give me a genre. Can I have a genre? It's a picture book. Oh. Um, in this, Remember, it's New York, so it would be like a city picture book. I'm going to say it's Snowy Day. Yes. Yeah. Because you are a youth librarian. Okay. So number one was Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. Number two was a Dr. Seuss book. You want to guess what that one is? I'm going with Green Eggs and Ham. Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat. Of course it was. And number three was a book written for adults. I was surprised by this one. It was 1984 by George Orwell. Third most. I mean, there's a lot to be learned from that. That would be a deep conversation later. Maybe people were like preparing for the year 1984. (coughs) They had a lot of questions about what the future was going to be like. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Coming up. Also, we should say for our friends that don't know, a Caldecott medal. So when it came out, it got the Caldecott medal. In the world of children's books, Caldecott Awards is the picture book with the best artwork. Newberries, which we'll talk about some books, I think eventually that are Newberry Award winners. Um, Newberries tend to be novels 
generally the book with the best plot that year. With the Caldecott, do they take into account the story at all, or it's just illustrations, like best costumes? I could be wrong. I'm, now I'm going to pull it up on ALA. I think it is just illustration. Oh, so the story could be junk, but as long as the Yeah, pictures- I mean, my humble opinion, there have been some on there where the story is not fantastic, but the artwork is really fun, yeah. And I'm not going to say which, because I don't want any angry authors coming after me. That's not, that's not my job. <laughs> I arm wrestle angry authors in my... Free time. <laughs> you don't need to get paid. I don't. don't I can't get paid for that. I don't want to cheapen paid. this experience for you guys. But now I'm looking up the Caldecott. I'm going to read you the ALA. All right. The Caldecott Medal was named in honor of 19th century English illustrator Randolph Caldecott. It is awarded annually by the Association for Library Services to Children, a division of the American Library Association, to the artist of the most distinguished American picture book for children. Oh. So there you go. It's pretty Very crazy stuff. Very distinguished. I feel like we're in good company. We so. should get Caldecott gold medals and wear them on our shirts to match the one on the book cover. To just like to give ourselves yeah. a Caldecott? I deserve a Caldecott. I, I am I am distinguished in my I'm distinguished. shirt today. I'm wearing some spring colors. Why does it have to be just for children's books? Why can't it be for people? Are you of the generation where everybody gets an award for participation? Because sure I'm a Gen Xer, that I'm at no. the tail of a good generation. It actually kind of hurt generation. my feelings that you didn't give me an award just for coming in here to start this podcast. But <laughs> Do now you want I me see- to spit coffee out my nose? Because that almost just happened. <laughs> I was wondering where my trophy was, and you. Uh, now it's I on understand. my desk. Now it's now next to my bowling shoes. <laughs> I hope you don't mind that your trophy features a man with an arm forward and an arm back holding a ball about to throw into glory. We don't care what the trophy looks like. It could be anything. It That's could be true. a big mouth bass. I am going to get you a big mouth bass Would trophy. You? I am. And it's going to be the kind that sings too. What oh, was yeah. that? What was that thing called? Big mouth, big mouth, Billy, 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 the big mouth bass. Bass is a hard word to say. It's like saying bath, bass, bass. Do you want to know a little about Maurice Sendak? He was a I character. I do. He was a character. How, what do you know about him? So I think it's interesting. So I was doing a little bit more reading. And um, he did say in an interview that I read that he did not write books specifically for children. Um, he wrote books and he was glad that children enjoyed them. But I thought that was really interesting take because, you know, most, I feel like most children's authors, at least contemporary ones that I can think of, specifically right to children. I feel like it's a craft that has been honed in and in ways that we now see authors writing with specific like styles that, you know, either engage readers in certain elements of the book or are specifically written to teach reading. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to that, what, 50, 60 years ago, people were writing a book with a story that they thought was fun. Yeah. Not necessarily for children, but that was their who their publisher said the target audience was. So Yeah. I think I wrote that down as one of the quotes. Yeah. He said, uh, I thought that was a great quote too. He said, You cannot write for children. They're much mm-hmm. too complicated. Mm-hmm. You can only write books that are of interest to them. It reminded me of so do you know the Highlights magazine? Uh, yeah. Duh. Loved had, it at duh, the doctor's duh, office duh, when duh, you were totally. a kid, right? The kids in the tree in one picture. There's mm-hmm. no kid in the tree in the other picture. Mm-hmm. So uh, they also have a, like a writing retreat center in Pennsylvania, which I went to once. Um, And it was really cool. You get like a cabin. I can't remember. I had, oh, Jane Yolen. I had her cabin, like her special cabin. There's like a little shrine to her. I love Jane Yolen books. Oh, well, 
Gotta go. You gotta be rolling with Yolen. <laughs> Jane Yolen, if you ever listen to this podcast. She's writing in. I just want to say big fan. Her big whole fan. website's changing. It's just going to be her with a pair of sunglasses and there's going to be a say scroll that says rolling, rolling with, with Yolen. <laughs> I hope they use the, that font from Microsoft Word where it looks like, I can't yeah. think what it's called, where the... Um, you do you doctor the um, words so it looks like they're fatter and kind of like they yeah. have texture. I hope she does that Word on her website. Art. Word art. Thanks, Olivia. You're I'm so close to being a boomer; it's unreal. Well, my sixth grade self is like screaming <laughs> it in my brain. I used it for every poster. Just just a little bit of calligraphy across. For the those top of you that are in a younger generation, there was no Google when my sixth grade self was around. I just want to share that. I love to share that with our young library did interns. Did you have to go to the library to look things up? That's I did. Sad. We still had card catalogs when I was a kid, guys. So did I. And I remember calling the librarian and asking, like, I needed a reference question. And they'd be, I'd be like, how long is a blue whale? And they'd be like, I don't know. I'll look it up and call you back. And then the librarian would call you back. That's, and, that's neat because my childhood librarian, when you would ask her questions, <laughs> she'd be like, go to the card catalog and figure out where the book is about that. <laughs> And you can look up those details. And I didn't really understand how the card catalog worked. Yeah. Can I wish you I knew her name. think of us now? Just sitting and talking about a children's book. She was a neat lady. Was she? No. No. She was not. <laughs> she did not make me enjoy the library as a child. No. The profession has changed. <laughs> has changed a little bit. You can't prioritize shaming children like you like You really, you it's, uh, it's unfortunate because when yeah. I became a librarian, that's specifically why... I went into children's library work to begin with. And then your interview. Yeah, I did. And then, you know, come to find out they frown on that. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll still be a librarian because we kind of like to read and books. And apparently that's what people think you do all day. This podcast is proof in the pudding that we do other things. Yeah. We talk in little, we talk about books too. We don't just read them. No, we talk about them all the time. Yep. And shame children when we can. Just kidding. <laughs> you get take a little that, bit. Take that out. Maybe Olivia. that's another thing that you don't really want to get paid for because you don't mm-hmm. want to cheapen it. You really don't want to cheapen the experience for children when you're trying to shame them. No, so you really like, need oh, to just keep that. I thought you were doing it for fun. Keep that separate. <clears throat> so, anyway, going back to Maurice Sendak, we were here oh, to talk yeah. about him today, not our sad childhood experiences. Oh, right. Highlights: Rolling with Yolan. So I was in the um, Yolan cabin. Right, Yolan cabin. And anyway, so the, we had a whole, like, they would do classes, and there would be mm-hmm. these different children's authors that would teach the classes. And people would think that they were, like, failed adult writers. Like, some people mm-hmm. would, they would, like, try to write for adults, and then they were like, hey, I, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too long. I'm going to write for children. And then they would write for children and realize it was, like, 10,000 times harder to write for kids. Yes, it is. Kids can be, they're dark and they don't like I think they can kind of see through flimsy stories that are 100 percent. like if your goal is to be a famous children's author they're gonna like see through that and know that you don't know what you're doing yeah. but if you're a character like Morris Sendak and you have like a gnarly upbringing which he did he so we have a couple great books on Morris mm-hmm. Sendak in yeah. the library um, the one that I read was called there's a mystery there the primal vision of Morris Sendak and it did not hold back. It was very much, it was about his life, but it was also very much about his art. So yes. like where the paintings came from and where the wild things are was originally supposed to be where the wild horses are. Yeah. Did you know that? I did actually. And he didn't know how to draw horses. So he was like, <laughs> and they were like, well, what do you know how to draw? And he was like, things, uh, things. 
<laughs> I would love to see, I would just love to see like a creepy, you use the word gnarly and I uh-huh. love that word for like really creepy things. So I'm picturing these really gnarly looking horses, like maybe like <laughs> missing some like hooves or like t- tripod horse that's just kind of like limping along and it has like this kind of weird side eye that's kind of judging you right? constantly. Like that one teacher that chaperoned your dances and she would kind of side eye you when you were dancing too close to somebody. I did not grow up in the 1940s. Okay, guys, I know sometimes I sound old with some of my references. Were there like nuns with rulers? I did go to Catholic school for a couple of years. Okay. So there were nuns, nuns when rulers. I was a child. They were out of nuns by the time I hit the upper dancing level grades. They ran out of them? We ran out of nuns. It's just oh. not the thing to do anymore. Nun I mean, sound of music really sells it to you as a kid. Like, yeah, right. it's great to be a nun. Just kidding. Get married. So that's I, why I didn't become a nun. I thought Captain Von Trapp, it's got to be out there for everybody. Oh, he swayed you? See, I don't know. I was oh, sort of yeah. like. Him and Pa from Little House on the Prairie, the TV show. Pa could um, cry in every episode. I don't remember that happening at all in any of the books, but um, he cried in like every episode and it's, it stirred things in my soul. You want, you liked the sensitivity of I him. did. I did. Mm-hmm. God, this does feel like a therapy session sometimes, sometimes, doesn't it? We have to reveal things about ourselves. We do. I'm just we trying to get the, everything. get our listeners to get to know us. Yeah. Just on a real special level. I just want the listeners to notice Olivia hasn't shared any uncomfortable things yet. So I guess this podcast will just be about me sharing awkward things. I did say that I immediately was too anxious to read Where the Wild Things That's Are. That's true. That I is needed personal. calming, comforting. Though I can't remember what picture books I read. Oh, you know what I loved? I mm. loved those, um, like the Mitten. What's that lady's name? Jan Brett. Jan- I loved the those. The Mitten is a great story. I love those. It, they were outdoorsy. They were mm-hmm. relaxing. The artwork is beautiful. The artwork. And the cool thing, dear friend listeners, is if you check out a Jan Brett book and you look, um, she draws uh, a border in her books. And if you pay attention to the border, it actually shows you, it gives you a glimpse into what's going to happen on the next page. And a Easter lot of people egg. don't notice that. She was the original Easter egg <laughs> far before Avengers. People don't Jan know Jan Brett, mm-hmm. we're looking at you. Yeah. You probably gave the Avengers the idea. There wouldn't be Avengers without. No, I'm, I'm no. gonna say it. It's a. I mean, it's a salty those. Let's gonna... just say the Avengers movies because those comics were actually before Jan Brett's time. Were but they though? Is time really that linear? I feel like we're in a different multiverse right now. Which Olivia am I talking to? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I haven't seen the new Doctor Strange, but I feel like we're like tiptoeing right on the edge of that. Wait, is that Benedict Cumberbatch? Yes, or as I like to call him, Benedict. Cumberbund. Do people wear cummerbunds anymore, or is it just vests when people I think wear they tuxedos? Have to at weddings, yeah. No, but don't they wear vests nowadays? Cummerbunds were a thing in the eighties. I remember that was like with mullets. There were a lot of really questionable wedding photos, prom pictures. I'm not even. I have to. Okay, I I feel like this is kind of late to admit this, but I'm not even sure what a cummerbund is. What? Is it heck? Okay, this I thought okay, it was so, a vest. So I'm acting this out for Olivia. A cummerbund was this material that dudes wore around their bellies. So it would be oh. like if you wore a tuxedo to prom, you'd have your dress pants on and at kind of like overlapping the top of the dress pants up to your like belly, kind of around to where your belly button is, you would have this material that like kind of had this pattern in the front and then it like cinched a little snug in the back. And then you had your shirt and your suit coat over it, so there was a hint of color by your belly. Was it usually Nowadays, like satin? 
Yeah, it was usually like a satin material. I feel like nowadays all dudes wear are vests under their suit coats for like weddings, like your tuxedo or like maybe guys still wear that to prom. I don't know. I don't go to teen dances anymore. This has all come out of where the wild things are. This 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 book this has spurred a lot of discussions. Well, let me t- share Just one come, thing with come you. Come right back to where the wild things are. Because did you also know, and I'm starting to suspect that you may have done some research that even though I told you not to that the drawings were based on his extended family his aunts and uncles that would come visit him on Sundays Olivia I did not actively try and do any research (laughs) however Uh I was reading this book it's a kid's book that we just got so it's still new my goal so you keep talking before we're done today is to tell you one thing that you don't already flipping know about this book and i I did research i listened to the interview with terry gross no 1986 no you did not i did well i listened to part of it they didn't i couldn't find the full thing i just had like excerpts she don't know about that she knows how to have a podcast let me tell you that lady knows what she's doing i don't know if if you've heard of her but i have heard of terry gross (laughs) and i've actually heard of npr too have you it stands for the national Potato Resource Council. The NPRC. That's a really bad joke. Can you anyway. imagine if there was a potato hotline that you could call? You could be like, <laughs> I have I have a whole I, bag of russets and I have no idea what to do with them. I Help. feel like if you called a potato hotline, you should show like a little bit more panic. Like it's two days before <laughs> Thanksgiving and you're like, I've got six pounds of spuds and my whole family's coming and I don't know how to make the mash. And I would definitely recommend you talk in some crazy voice because people that work for things like Butterballs, you know, Butterball has like a count, like an actual number you can call. Um, I actually, it was a trivia question when I was an adult librarian, so I know it's real. Okay. You can call them with your turkey questions. I feel like you need to bring your A game to those people because they're sitting there fielding questions all day about turkeys. So to help them keep their sanity, bring your A game, say some crazy things, yes. talk loudly, those I questions. Think you could, I think you could reveal personal details too, because people like that. They like when they know more about you than would be socially appropriate to share in other settings. I know? feel like you're calling me out for some of my comments <laughs> no. on this today, and I'm not ashamed no. of anything I've shared. No, no, you should be proud. I'm just kidding. I do. I want a spud hotline. A spud hotline. I want like a... <gasps> Four one, but I, it has to be an easy number. You don't have to be flipping through the yellow pages. It should be like nine one one, but it should be like something people will remember, like nine one one's for emergencies. One one nine is for potato emergencies. <laughs> Specifically, spuds. Don't call one. What was it? One one nine. Yes. Don't call one one nine if your house is on fire. No, call nine one one. Your potatoes cooking. are burning. <laughs> Good call. That definitely my first thought is not the fire department. It's right. my friends. Don't listen to us. If your house is on fire, please call 911. Yeah, do that. Go ahead okay. That. So I found the title. Sorry. It took me eight years. Okay. So I did not actively purposely. I did a little bit. Actually, I will be honest. I did Google one thing about Maurice what Sendak, but I can't remember now because it's oh. all mixed in with the details of this book, but there's a really okay. cool book you can get here at the Troy public library. It's in the kids department. It is called the stories behind the stories, the remarkable true tales behind your favorite children's books. And it just came out in November. Um, it's still on our new bookshelf. And it's really fun because the author includes, I think it's about what, two pages on all these different classic children's books, just two pages, some fun factoids about the authors, you know, like the thing about, um, where the wild things are was supposed to be where the horses are. Mm. Um, 
that was actually in that book. That's how I knew that. Um, so it's just kind of fun stuff and kids might enjoy it, but I actually think adults would enjoy that as much or more because a lot of those are what we consider children's classics. It's kind of cool to hear some of the little backstories and, and the artwork in that book is stellar. And uh, it's really cool. It covers where the wild things are. It's got snowy day in there. It's got um, Harry Potter, very hungry caterpillar, you know, all these things that I'm sure you read as a kid or you're reading to children in your life. So highly recommend it. It's a beautiful book. It really is a beautiful book. It has like this gold foiling on the cover. I thought it was interesting. I think I was mentioning this to Olivia the other day while I was doing my searching. We have a tool at Troy called Novelist, which a lot of libraries pay for. It's a really fantastic database. You can put in the last book you read and click enter and they will recommend usually about five or six other books that have similar genres, similar themes. It might be that you like a book as an adult that um, has um, untrustworthy narrators. Um, so they'll give you some read-alikes where you're going to have similar kind of thrillers or similar kind of strong female characters in your books, whatever. But a uh, novelist is great because a lot of folks that work there are educators and librarians. So they really know their craft, they know books, and they know how to recommend great books that you are going to most uh, likely love as much as the last one you read. So um, but real quick, some of the read-alikes for Where the Wild Things Are. Um, Mad at Mommy by Kamako Sakai. Flora's Very Windy Day by Jean Birdsell. Three Bears in a Boat by David Soman. And When You Need Wings by Lita Judge. Or Tiger Wild by Gwen Wilward. Dragon Was Terrible by Kelly DiPuccio. And Underwear by Jennifer Harney. And a lot of these books, I think I was telling Olivia, I cut myself off earlier. A lot of these books um, are imaginative. You know, they kind of play off of kids that enjoy that imagination quality of where the wild things are. Some of these have kids that, um, especially like Mad at Mommy, where they're going through being grumpy, having a disagreement with their parents, and then kind of working through the picture book to resolve that. Mm -hmm. So that element of the opening scene where Max is fighting with his mom and chasing her around the house and threatening her. Um, You know, kids need those stories where they act up, they act out their little childhood aggressions and can get a resolution that winds up with the parents still loving them. So some good read-alikes on that list. I would also say if um, you have an older kid who likes where the wild things are, might be reading this on their own, say like a first or second grader, I would say a natural jump to me would be um, Roll Doll would be good. If they like this imagination, this sort of child in charge without parents being around. I don't love every Roll Doll book, but I do love Matilda. I do love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the ones like that where the parents are absent, the kids kind of have to figure things out on their own. I think um, I definitely liked going into those from where the wild things are. So That makes perfect sense. Yeah, like the imagination. I the, always loved those kind of books. I liked the outdoorsy books like Bridge yeah. to Terabithia because the yes. kids were in charge. So yes. it was like, it's really a, the only place kids get to be adventuring and on their yep. own and their parents don't get yep. to control everything they do. And it's interesting because, you know, I think authors, artists know that part of childhood is at some point you have to be in charge and kind of start developing on your own without your parents. And, um, you know, it's like that concept is not new. If you go back and look at all the Disney movies, you know, it's like the kids 
a lot of times, or maybe they're not kids, let's say the main characters, they usually are supposed to be younger. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they go on the adventures on their own. You know, it's like there's a whole nother podcast to be said about how the mother's always dead in a lot of the early Disney right. movies. But taking that out, the kids are always the ones that go and have to sort things out. You know, you look at Mulan goes on the adventure, you yeah. know, Pinocchio goes out and makes all these mistakes and goes on the adventure. And so there is something that authors, artists know that kids have to go out, experience the world, have this imagination, have this play, have this creative time while they're sort of puzzling through what it means to be a kid and how to be a grown up. Right. So I think that's one of the great things about books is kids have that time to kind of grow and develop. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I've been thinking about your question too, about why adults like this book. Cause I think that's, I've been thinking about like emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and um, how that as a kid you have a really hard time managing your emotions because you don't know how yet and then you're not always taught that's not something we're necessarily taught in school sure I think they're doing better now but when I was a kid we didn't know no we didn't learn like the Brene Brown thing like to name every emotion no we didn't (laughs) do any of that like we just were like on our own we didn't we were like feral animals when I was a kid in the 80s as a teenager you go through it again even worse Mm -hmm. because you have all these new emotions that you have no idea how to tame them your hormones are like bananas I remember being in my own body and being like I, my behavior and my brain would be different things. Like I would be behaving and my brain would be like, Olivia, stop. Just, yes. you can just stop. Like yes. you can just stop doing this. And I would I like, we had no control, mm-hmm. which is kind of the, the, where the wild things are. Yeah. It's almost like being in the role of the observer. Like they say in yoga class to mm-hmm. just like your emotions are separate from you. They're mm-hmm. not all inside of you and they are not you. I guess they're inside of you. But they're not you. You can be separate from them. They're just like these monsters that behave sometimes without your consent. (laughs) And that, I feel like you hit the nail on the head. It's like, are the monsters, are the wild things, the representation of his emotions? Like, is he part of him going and whatever you want to call it, if he actually goes on this journey, right? Because we're using our imagination. Or if he's really dreaming, is him getting control of his emotions and being in charge of where the wild things are and being the king of the wild things? Is that him actually learning how to handle his emotions so that he can go back at the end, a better behaved child? Or or am I, or is that way overthinking that's it? Like, do you ever think about that? Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I never think about that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Mm-mm. You haven't taken 20 years of English classes where people just talk. Oh, I have. I just oh, have heavy. no emotional maturity. I think my oh, behavior on this okay. podcast up to this point will show you that that's not where my brain goes. Uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be on a boat. I want, where's my boat? <laughs> I don't even understand. I don't get a boat. I don't have wild things. I want horns. <laughs> I want an eagle head. You know, I, I never, the, the, wait, you like the eagle-headed one? I like the eagle-headed one the most. It's so funny. My favorite one is this guy. So, oh, okay. My favorite one is the guy <laughs> in the stripes. The Danny DeVito. Is that supposed I? to be Danny? He, I guess, <laughs> he just you, has have, the hair. you have ruined the, him for me. <laughs> oh, so no. the one Olivia calls the Danny DeVito. It's his clothes and hair, I think. I, right? Well, it's ruined for me. Now I'm going to be <laughs> so thinking of sorry. twins and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger every time I read this book now. <laughs> So Help Olivia likes the eagle-headed one. I like the one that has the, I was going to say yellow eyes, but they all have yellow <laughs> eyes. The one that's wearing the like kind of Charlie Brown shirt, it's the striped orange and yellow shirt. And he's got like scales on for his legs and then like just straight up claw feet. 
and he is just my absolute favorite. Um, one year I'm going to be him for Halloween. Last I year, guys, wait. last year I was actually Max for Halloween. Oh, um, at our remember we did the right. Toy, we did the, the could, story walk. Story yeah. walk. The mm-hmm. the October story walk, and we all wore costumes, and I was Max. And I told the children that this book was a biography about me. And because they were children, they believed me, as did one dad. God love him. Oh, dear. He didn't know that this wasn't a real. Because I was like, yeah, this is a biography about me. That's me. I'm Max. And he was like, really? And I was like, no, sir. That's just what I tell your children. You can't be so it dry It was very sometimes. sweet. I can be very convincing when I tell yeah. fibs. I, sometimes people don't know if I'm kidding. You have I'm to look people into their souls when you fib to them. And yeah. I, I can do that. Well. That's your superpower. Yeah. Look, I'm doing it right now. Olivia. I have a quote. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Olivia just got the soul searching look. I that just was, need to say something. I think you know everything about me now. I do. I think my life flashed before your eyes. Her favorite color is magenta. Oh she God. likes sloths and turtles. Oh and she's a Taurus. Like if you were a fortune teller, that would be your... Well, I am. I mean, it was on my resume when I applied here at Troy. Right. Other that. skills. Fortune teller. It's really why they hired me. Soul searching. Soul searcher. Yes. It's a lot of special skill set items I have. Yeah, there are a number. Of, I wonder why you bound your resume in a, in a book for us. Oh, the, the leather bound resume I gave you guys? It was yeah. distinguished. It was. I mean, I think that's what really set you I don't apart. do staples. I don't do, no. I don't do paper clips. I do leather a binding only. The gilded pages. When you were like, what were the top? Most checked out books at the New York Public Library. I was like, well, my, I know my resume is in the top 10 because that's a tome, as that's you said. That's what that was. When it said. My Distinguished Life by Amanda Carr. I yeah. remember that. Did you not read that yet? I haven't read it. Well, I've, it's, I've been on hold for it. I mean, for years. Well, exactly. Why read it when we have classics like Where the Wild Things Are? Right. By Maurice Sendak. I have a quote by him that I'm wondering what you think it means. Okay. He wrote, fantasy is the best means children have for taming wild things. I think it goes back to what you said about the wild things being like his emotions. Mm -hmm. I think for kids to use their imaginations to figure out the world and understand, understand themselves a little bit better is, I mean, I just think that I feel like that quote perfectly describes this book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if that, out of context, I don't know if that was about this book specifically. It was. It yeah. was. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. Yeah. What is it about fantasy though? Like, is it the, it's like a step removed from reality. So you're able to see things more objectively, like stories. I guess they're more I feel fun like too. it feels safer to figure things out in fantasy than it does in the real world. And I don't really know how to explain it any more than that. I would think like for, I'm trying to think of this as a kid. If things feel so unbelievable, like when the kids are in um, Bridge to Terabithia and they have this whole world they've created with these like, I think there's a troll or a giant. I forget which it is. We'll have to do this book eventually too because that's such a good book. That's what I would pick. But, you know, where you can have this imagination run wild where you can feel safe to digest like real life and kind of talk things through. There's something about things being so fantastical and fake that it just makes it a safer space for other things. And I don't really know how to unpack that anymore. I think you're right though. I think that's, I think that's it. And I think also sometimes fake things are realer than real things. So like he's in his boat and he's the king of the wild things or whatever. He's not able to express that 
he's learning how to be in charge of these things that Mm -hmm. these forces that he hasn't been able to control before, but he knows King and King has all these other things like powerful in control. No one tells the King what to do. The King tells other people what to do. Yes. So it's all this stuff. It's very Jungian. It's all these archetypes. Look at you. Are you a psychology minor? Just kind of, kind of, you should just tell people you are that, that was, that was really, that was some really impressive unpacking. Thank you. How do you feel about it now that you've revisited it? Am I giving it like a star scale, like like I'm reviewing on Yelp? What do you think we should do? Or should we just? This is five stars for me still. Yeah. This is a book I have read to every single one of the kids that, um, kids in my life, like all my nieces and nephews that live close enough by that I was around them when they were little have read this book with me, if not at least once, multiple times. This was a book I used to give to all my friends when they had kids. I still love this story. I have a copy. I have my original copy from when I was a kid. If we weren't moving and it wasn't packed, I would have brought my copy in. Um, I have it at home. I still flip through it because I love the artwork in this. Like as an adult, I still love the story. I think it's a very fun story. But as an adult, I appreciate the artwork even more. Like I was telling you before we started recording, I think my favorite um, my favorite picture is kind of in the middle of the book when all of the um, when Max gets to the island with the wild things, and it's the page where it says they made him king of all wild things, and now Max cried, and now cried Max, let the wild rumpus start. I would either hang that artwork in my house or the one where they're all hanging from the trees, Danny DeVito being furthest left, and your favorite <laughs> one being furthest to the right. Aww. I just love the artwork as an adult. Um, but yeah, I still love this story. I still recommend it. When parents ask about it, I, I love that book. I think it's fantastic. I know it, it's been banned at libraries. It's been oh. challenged because, you know, some parents think it's scary. Some people think it's awful because it, it teaches kids how to misbehave and, and all this. And I don't get any of that. I get that it's a story about redemption. And like you said, a kid kind of overcoming his emotions and able to come home and still be loved. So I, I always tell people to read this book if they ask. I love this book. Do people still ban books because mis- kids misbehave in them? Um, if you Google banned books, comma, American Library Association, there is a list of the most banned books across the United States every year. And um, what libraries do is, well, if they don't, most every library should have a challenge policy. Basically what happens at all the libraries I've worked at is that challenge goes before the usually collection development committee, mm-hmm. whether it's the librarians who purchase in that department or if it's the librarians that do all the purchasing across all departments, and sometimes that includes the director, they make a recommendation, which usually gets presented to the board. Mm-hmm. And then the board kind of decides, yes, we're going to ban this from the library. No, we're going to keep it. And it doesn't move to the banning phase. If your library bans it, it means they pull it off the shelf. You do Your library does not keep that copy anymore. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I feel like what we're seeing right now um, is people that are scared about books that present real life representation of cultures, colors. I guess I would encourage our readers not to get really serious here, but um, if you see that books are banned, I really encourage you to go to your library and read those books and ask yourself why they're really being banned. Mm -hmm. Like what is the real issue that this person probably had with this book that can open up good conversations within our communities. So I always challenge people, read banned books, read books that people are challenging that they say should not be on the shelves because libraries are our free access point. 
As taxpayers, we pay for our libraries, and there should be something in the library for everyone. Good. Read, 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 and keep in mind that Where the Wild Things Are has been challenged and banned in libraries, too. So, Right, um, because I think, I think it's probably less common now. I haven't done that research, but mm-hmm. that... Um, I think people would be less likely to ban a book because the kid misbehaves. And, yes. And now I think we're getting that emotional intelligence a bit more where it's like it might be good f- to teach yeah. the kid to listen to his emotions and mm-hmm. to have more realistic portrayal. And I don't think it's going to encourage children to be naughty, yes. but they thought that back then. And it's funny yeah. to see how those kind of social mores change mores yeah. mores mm-hmm. social stuff mm-hmm. mores social is stuff. a good word yeah <laughs> is it moreses nope just mores more more like a more eel <laughs> <laughs> there are jokes to be made there and we need to talk about our summer reading real quick don't we yeah because by the time people are hearing this summer reading is gonna be upon us it's gonna be summer reading time. do you want to talk about kickoff or do you want me to say something i just went on my soapbox about banned books i feel like i was you need hogging. a moment to like no i just feel like i was hogging the microphone no oh please absolutely girl bye it is a whole family thing you can sign up your babies you can sign up your kids teens adults will have a program there is something for everybody and um if you're already reading you should definitely consider signing up because mm-hmm. it is a really fun activity and if you're not going to do it yourself sign up the kids in your life mm-hmm. because you know studies show that there is something that educators call summer slide where kids actually lose momentum on their education over the summer because they're sitting um, kind of complacently all summer without that constant vigorous educational piece happening. So best way to fight that is keep them reading, keep them um, mentally stimulated by bringing them to library programs where we can focus on art. We can teach them um, STEM activities, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, So sign them up, call us with questions. I know it's a lot of information today. So let the wild rumpus start. Let the wild rumpus begin, my friend. Summer Library Friday. And thanks for joining us Thank today. We hope you, you come back for our second one when we have uh, we have our wits about us even more. We're going to know what we're doing. We're going to know what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to be more professional next yeah. time. I'm going to wear a, I'm gonna wear a Colonel Sanders outfit. Okay. Nothing communicates seriousness like a white a suit with, what's that little bow tie called? What is that style? A bolo? Is that That's a, called a bolo? Is it a bow tie or does he wear a bolo? No, he wears, hang on guys, we're pulling up a picture of Colonel Sanders. I might get an, I don't know if I'll, and that might make me a little nervous. I don't know if I'd be able to live up Would to the that. fake mustache make you uncomfortable? It just would set a really high standard, but oh, I no. think I can reach no, he I is think a, it's good. Oh. He has an old school bow tie. You're going to have to dry clean that suit. You know, the funny thing is, I was Colonel Sanders for Halloween a couple years ago. I had a heck of a time keeping the beard. I wore a beard mustache combo. I had a heck of a time keeping that on my face. Right. My husband was the bucket of chicken. Okay. And, um... It is still my favorite couple's costume. I wish I wish our listeners could see this. It was just magnificent. Well, we could add a picture and and I think that's a great idea. And I would just like to say we're going to bring that professional level okay. next next month, next time we gather whenever it is. I don't know if we've set that yet, but I just want to bring just an entrepreneurial spirit and oh, wow, a professionalism okay. and some good Maybe Southern charm. Which he was a straight shooter. I he feel was. Like. I Thank get a you. lot. Of, I would feel cared for actually. Now that you're okay. saying this, I want some of that Kentucky Southern charm that, that I lack growing thing. up in the Midwest. Right. So we're going to try and bring all those elements next time. And that's going to be fun for people. People are going to like that. Sounds like look at the website because there's going to be a Colonel Sanders picture on there. Maybe there I don't will, know. If no, that, there's there's it's oh, going to be part of the whole. Okay. Thing. Well, I guess I'll be pulling that up and sending that to Olivia today. 
Thanks. So thanks for joining us, friends. This was fun. This was super fun. Take care, friends. Be safe. Keep reading. Be bold. Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.